Everything you've wanted to know about setting up your website, but we're afraid to ask. You're a voice actor. You're an entrepreneur. You're a VOpreneur. Welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. Your voiceover demos are your number one marketing tool, and you need to display them on your website in a way that works on any device or browser. VoiceSam is the player producers love. Plus, it offers tools that can improve your email signature, quickly create a one-page website, and much more. Sign up now at voicesam.com slash markscott and get three months of the bass player for the price of one. That's voicesam.com slash markscott for full details and to sign up. The VOpreneur Podcast. Hey, it doesn't suck. Not as funny as Conan. Not as cute as Seth Meyers. Not as smart as Colbert. But he's one of us, and that counts for something. Here's Mark Scott, the original Everyday VOpreneur. Hello, and welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. I'm Mark Scott, the original Everyday VOpreneur, ready to dive into another episode filled with actionable, practical advice that you can use to grow your voiceover business. And this week, we are going to be talking about websites. There's a lot to put together when it comes to getting your website set up, trying to register a domain, signing up for the right hosting package, getting your email sorted out. It's a lot to unpack. And so in this episode, we're not going to be talking about building a website, but we're going to talk about all of those foundational things that you need to have in play in order to get your website online. Now, before we dive into that, there's one thing I do want to ask. If you enjoy the Everyday Vopreneur podcast, and if you enjoy this episode in particular, it would mean a lot to me if you would take a minute to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and if you would tag me in your Instagram stories, let me know that you're listening. You can tag me at Mark Scott. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to hear your feedback on these episodes. So, are you ready to learn how to put together your website? Let's dive in. So, every voice actor knows they need to build a website, but obviously we aren't all website experts, and there are so many elements to consider from domains to hosting to development platforms. It's a lot to get a handle on, and in a perfect world, we'd hire someone and they'd handle everything for us, but I also recognize that it's not a perfect world, and Sometimes low-cost solutions are all that's feasible in the early stages of business development. So to try and help you navigate the seas of the web space, I've brought in an expert who gets nothing but rave reviews from every single person that has ever worked with them, a New York-based entrepreneur and voice actor, the man behind Uppercut Audio, Upper Level CRM, Upper Level Hosting, Brad Newman. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, man, thanks. I'm, I'm waiting, though. You said you brought in an expert. Who's that? Who's joining us? I thought this was just you and I. Well, we'll find out by the end of this. I guess we'll let the people decide. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce the man who is the VOpreneur, the guy who started the VOpreneur group, voice actor a la femme and fame himself, Mr. Mark Scott. Right on. So now everybody knows who we are. Uh, I One question before we dive into this. Is it safe to assume that you're a boxing fan with the with the uppercut audio and and I guess that ties into the upper level? What, what, what's the story there? I hired an ad agency because I can't think of anything, and they came up with a really good 
uh, concept for the post studio, and and they went with uppercut audio because it was sound design with punch, and so the whole boxing uh, motif and everything is is all the ad agency. I have no credit whatsoever, <laughs> and they came up with great taglines that like in our ring, a great mouthpiece is required, and it just. It all fit and it sounded good. It was easy to spell. The domain wasn't plural and it was available. So I'm like, it's a win, win, win. So often when it comes to naming your brand, that's really what it comes down to, right? Is whether or not the domain is actually available. You know, that's a, a very big, large part of it, which does tie into the hosting conversation we're having. But it also ties into something you preach over and over and over. And that is if it is not your expertise, if, if it is not in your wheelhouse, uh, save yourself some time and hire an expert who can take care of it. Because I named my post studio a very wrong and horrible name to begin with. And five years in, just had to rebrand everything. So I wished I would have went with the agency to begin with. That's their job is to create a brand. That wasn't mine. Mine is post work, VO and, 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 you know, tech stuff. So a lesson learned the hard way. You know, and I think most VO people learn lessons that way, the hard way, which is a shame. Yeah, it does seem to be that way. So, Mm -hmm. all right. So I got a lot of questions. I know you've got the answers. So let's dive into this. Let's go right to step one, Mm -hmm. registering a domain and hosting. These are kind of, this is where it all begins. So give us the, let's say the the four dummies, so to speak, breakdown of registering a domain and and hosting, just kind of the basics before we get into some of the more involved stuff. Okay, so right, absolutely. And and what I want to do is a lot of people may not even know what domain is. So if we can put a pin in that for just a second, and I'm actually going to back up and give people a a great analogy to how websites and tech tie into something tangible in the real world that they can equate things to, which may make it visually make sense uh, as creative types. So uh, domains and hosting tie in to real estate very well, for an example. Mm -hmm. Three things you have to have to have a house in this world. You have to have the address of the home or what people are going to punch into the GPS. In this instance, that GPS is going to be Google so they can get to your house. You have to have the house itself, which is the website that somebody's going to build for you. And then you have to have a plot of land for that house to sit on. And that's actually the server environment, the foundation that is going to run that home or that website every single time somebody punches in that address or that domain or that URL, all the same thing, all called different names, but that address or that domain that they're going to punch into their GPS or, or Google in this instance to find your website. So the domain is the address. And that is the first place you're really going to start. Um, You need to pick something that people are going to try to remember, but it also needs to be available. Lots of combinations Uh, Whether or not you put in VO or voiceover or voice actor, there's a lot of different opinions on that. But here's some factual things to think about. You want to keep it short. You want to try not to have where there can be multiple spellings in the domain. And if possible, stay away from something that can be pluralized, because then you're going to have to buy multiple domains that end in S. For example, Mark Scott voiceovers has an S. So if your domain is Mark Scott voiceover, then Mark Scott has to buy both. That way, if somebody puts an S on the end, it's still going to get him to his website. So short, easy to remember, easy to understand audibly, stay away from uh, pluralizations. So I would keep it to like no more than three words. That's the domain address part of it. Okay. And that's a that's a brilliant analogy, by the way. I mean, I, sometimes I forget like, so 1996, I'm working for a radio station and they're like, we need a website. And so I taught myself how to self-code HTML, register a domain, set up hosting, all that sort of stuff. And sometimes because I've been farting around with that for so long, I forget that, you know, not everybody gets this stuff, but 
the real estate analogy is a, a really, really smart way of doing it. Right. And you can, if I can, you can append on that quickly too. So you have that address and when you're mailing someone a letter, you put it to their attention. And same thing when it comes to that domain name. So if you were sending something to Brad Newman, you would put my address and then you'd put attention Brad Newman. On the domain side or the email side to that, we just reverse it. You put the person's name first, Brad at, and then you continue with the rest of his domain address. And that's how he would get mail. There's a lot of confusion uh, that I talk to people every day, as, as simple as it seems, between what is an email address and what is the domain. So it is important that they do recognize the difference. I mean, that brings up a whole other issue, which I talk about all the time, which is the importance of having an email address at your domain, as opposed to having, you know, Brad Newman at gmail.com or Brad Newman at yahoo.com or whatever. Uh, you know, as much as we want to say that you should never judge a book by its cover, look, we judge books by the cover. And if I see a Brad Newman at gmail.com or a Brad at bradnewman.com, I'm always going to take that second one more seriously. That's just, I mean, that's just the way that it is. So, the email address really does make a, a, a big difference because it, it is part of the overall impression that you're making, right? Yeah, I mean, it can be. There are pros and cons to both, but nobody has ever said that somebody was overdressed. And, and I tend to take your approach, the same approach when it comes to presenting yourself in a business fashion. No one is going to say, oh, look, he has this professional domain-based email address. So that must mean what? He's a professional. So if you're going to err on the side of caution, and with so many things being so subjective in this industry already, that's one subjective point you can rule out. And if you can rule any subjectivity out of this business, do it. Yeah. And that starts with your domain and your email address for sure. I, I would go with the dressed up one. Yeah, for sure. So when it comes to domains, we talked about the fact that they got to be short. We want to take into consideration spelling, pluralization. Are there any other tips that you have for registering a domain or does that pretty much sum it up? That sums it up for the most part. Uh, stick with a .com unless you're targeting a certain area. If you're in the UK and you're only going to seek work from in the UK, then it does look favorably for you to have like a co.uk. But otherwise, stick with .com. And before you go buying a ton of domains, keep some money in your pocket because Google doesn't index domains unless there's content on them. So buying 25 domains just to point them all to your main site, unless they're misspellings that someone is going to type into the address bar in a browser, it's not going to help people uh, find your site via SEO unless you're putting websites on those domains with content. So stick with .com. Keep it simple. Okay. That brings up another question then. In a perfect world, we would go out and we would get our .com, but that's getting harder and harder and harder and harder. Mm -hmm. So... Do you suggest we just need to find a .com? Like, what's the second best domain extension, or, or is there such a thing? Yeah, second best is .net. Um, it is the second one that someone would look at, and if it's available there, um, then grab that. But questions are free. So before you just buy domains, I would pause for a second before I bought this .net, and I would think, okay, is there something else I want to name this? Is there a better avenue? Before you buy a domain, actually, even, I would Google, let's say my name is Brad Newman, and I'm going to do voiceover work. So Google that and make sure there's not another Brad Newman who does VO. Um, you might want to consider, before you grab that .NET, in making a different .com name decision. Because while .NET is totally fine and you can overcome that, that is now another step you'll have to work toward overcoming. And there's already enough steps in this business 
of obstacles that the lowest barrier of entry that you can have or create, the better. If you can't find it, though, and you're stuck with your name and you just want that, then yeah, .NET's the way to go second. Yeah. And I mean, it's a valid point, right? When we go online, we automatically type in anything.com. It's just like a, a muscle reflex or something now that we do. So if we can get that, that's obviously where we want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So on the subject of domains, uh, HTTP versus HTTPS, which some people will have no idea what that means, but we're talking about SSL. Uh, more and more browsers, I know Safari in particular, they try to block websites that don't have the HTTPS or they they try to redirect traffic away from those non-secure sites. So kind of give us the basics of, of SSL, uh, what it means, how do we implement it? So SSL is a secure encryption between the user's keyboard and their browser. So what it does, let's talk about that first. If I'm in a coffee shop and whether it's protected with a password or not, because everyone in the coffee shop has that password. So everyone in the coffee shop is sharing that connection. So for ease of reference, I'm going to refer to it as public. Um, Now, you could have a public connection without a password or with a password. But if more than one person is on it that you don't know, not a family member, not in your house, you're at an airport, a coffee shop or whatever, then that information can be seen by other people that are on that connection. So Google says it's really, really important that you should have this SSL certificate on your website. And basically what it does is it helps encrypt the information between what someone types on their keyboard into your website. So even though you're not doing banking or financial uh, you know, uh, decisions or checkouts on your website, and maybe you are, um, you, you might have a contact form. And I'm putting my name in there and I'm putting my email address in there. And that's important to other people that might want to steal that because almost everybody has an Amazon account. So if I have your name and your email address, now I can send you a fake Amazon email and try to fish or trick you into clicking that and giving me your Amazon credentials as me being the, the, uh, you know, the bad actor in this scenario. So you need to have an SSL certificate. Google basically mandates that you have it. Chrome blocks stuff and says, hey, this is an unsafe site. Safari blocks stuff, hey, it's an unsafe site. Firefox as well. So if you don't have that, then people go to type in your website and instead of seeing you know, uh, your beautiful face, your logo, whatever it is you're, you're trying to pitch them on, uh, your demo, they're gonna see this big warning, this is not safe, somebody could be stealing information, go back. So you gotta have it. The question is, do you have to pay for it? And the answer is absolutely not. There are providers out there that will charge you for it. Unless you're doing legal, banking, financial stuff, there's no reason to pay for it. The free ones that you can get are fine, but not every host will provide them for free. So pick one that does. Um, As far as setting up, how to using it, your host should take care of all of that. Let me give you one other reason why it's really important to have it. Yes, the browsers that you noted, Mark, automatically try to redirect or, or point you into that, that secure uh, loading version of the website, the HTTPS version. So if you just type upperlevelhosting.com, it automatically redirects you to the HTTPS version. But more and more programs are also automatically and dynamically changing the links. Mm-hmm. So if you're in Skype and you message someone, upperlevelhosting.com, even though that's all it shows you, that link that Skype makes is automatically HTTPS. If you don't have that and you click the link, your website doesn't load. It says it's broken or it appears down. 
And that's happening in more and more and more applications. Email programs are starting to automatically append that link as HTTPS. So it's it's not going to be too far of a day away that links that you're making just won't work. And you won't know that they won't work because they work for you, but they won't work for the person on the other end. So you just, it, it's just a normal, you got to have it now. Yep, absolutely. And it's easy enough to figure out if you go into your browser. I mean, there's the, the little padlock icon that appears in your address bar, right? Yep. If, if you're secured, that padlock icon will be there. Or if you do HTTPS and, you know, type in your domain or whatever. But that's the biggest thing is, yeah, it's you can do it for free. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. And that's why they haven't done it, because there are companies that will try to sell it to you as an add-on or, you know, charge mm-hmm. you X number of dollars a month or whatever. And it doesn't have to, to be that way. Right. Okay, so... And there well, is one thing I want to point on that, though, also quickly. A lot of people do redirects if they do buy more than one domain because they want to protect, you know, Mark Scott with a K. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's M-A-R-K Scott. Uh, and so they're going to redirect that to their actual website. They'll do that at their domain registrar. And the problem with that is that redirect will not get an SSL certificate applied to it done in that fashion. That's an old school way of doing it. You can still do it that way. But if you don't know any better, you're hurting yourself. So always, if you have more than one domain, always redirect them at the host level, not the registrar level, because your host can give you an SSL certificate for every single domain you own. That way, your links still work, HTTPS is still automatically appended, and everything is just hunky-dory. Otherwise, some of your secondary and third domains that you buy to redirect they won't work. So don't don't redirect them at the registrar level. Do it at your host level. And then you've just paid a whole bunch of money for a whole bunch of domains that are meant to serve a purpose, but don't actually serve a purpose at all. So Right. It, and, it, and if you're... The thing is, that as a talent, you don't have to know all that. Yep. Choose a host that knows those things and will help you. And that's the bonus, is yep. it's just set up right and done via best practice to begin with. But for, the, for everybody out there that already has that stuff set up, here's something for them to look at. So... Let's talk about hosting, and I know that we could probably do a whole entire episode just on this, so we'll try to keep it to the basics, but still want to give good information. I have seen hosting packages that range from, you know, $3 a month right up to a few hundred dollars a month, and I've also seen, you know, where you sign up, oh, get your website hosted for $3.95, and then when you go to do checkout, they want you to add this and add this mm-hmm. and add that, and then all of a sudden that $3.95 becomes like $29.95, and and for somebody that doesn't know any better, it's it's like, you know, trying to decipher the parts list for the International Space Station or something. So give us a basic rundown of what we need, what we don't, and what is a reasonable amount to, to pay for that. So you would want a host that has SSD hard drives. And if they don't call out SSD, then they're likely not using them. But you could always call their sales team and ask them. Uh, SSD hard drives, like gigantic sticks of RAM, no moving parts, they're just faster. And if you can have something faster, you want it when it comes to your website. You need at least 500 megs or a gig of space. Almost every host out there is going to give you that, so that's not much of a concern. Uh, Really, you just need to make sure they're using SSD hard drives and that everything loads really, really fast, uh, and that their support is good. I really would examine their support. Because a lot of people do look at the package of, oh, it's $3.95. But if the support's not great and you need something, then is that really a benefit? Especially when, and you nailed it right on the head, it's $3.95 for the first 12 months, and then it's $17.95 or $29.95 a month for that second year. 
so you're not saving any money in the long run. Or they've given you a good package on the hosting, but then they're going to charge you $69 to $199 for that SSL certificate we just talked about. And those are real prices from a real host, one that everybody really, really knows. Um, when you could be getting that for free. So you have to be careful and and compare apples to apples. Top three things are, what is the price going to cost me month over month, year after year? Don't just look at the promotional price. Mm -hmm. Make sure they're running an SSD hard drive and make sure you're happy with their support. If your site is not fast, once it's up and done, They've got a refund policy of 30 to 45 days. Invoke it, get your money back, and put it on a place that is going to give you the speed that you need. Because if your site takes a long time to load, the people are not going to stick around and wait to listen to it. We really expect things to be instant. So those are the short in a nut uh, things I would be looking for out of the gate with a host. And Google will punish you too, right? If your site is slow, that's one of the things that Google looks at from an SEO standpoint is your, your site load speeds. Is that correct? It is. It is. You know, people, I think, in general need to worry less about what Google is going to do SEO-wise because it's very competitive. I mean, unless you're spending money to actually have somebody SEO a website, unless I'm searching your name, you're going to be on the 33rd page. I mean, voiceover is such a sought-after word, especially from the pay-to-plays. They also you know, want to show up first for those. So they keep outbidding every other talent, basically, to make sure that's what they have. Can it be done? Absolutely. Are you going to spend a lot of money to SEO stuff? Yes. But for Google and for the human, and, Joe, you know, Joe Davis talks a lot about this. There are things you do for Google, but there are things you want to do for the human. And the way I would steer voice actors first is appease the human. And humans still want a site to load fast. So definitely do seek the speed, but appease the human first, because those are the people that are actually going to buy your services. Then you can start looking at how you can appease Google without upsetting the human um, and, and getting your cake and, so to speak, eating it too. You know, the SEO thing is, I mean, that's that's a whole other topic for a whole other day. It makes it my is. brain hurt trying to understand it. But one of the points that I have made in the past is I know without question the vast majority of traffic that is coming to my website is traffic that I am driving there. And mm-hmm. so, you know, to talk, to say, you know, appease the human, you know, that's one of the things like it's believed that your biography in the first person or rather your biography in the third person is better for SEO. Well, great, but it sounds really bad when you are the only person, you are the brand, right? So would I write my biography in the third person to appease Google? In this case, no, I wouldn't because I recognize that I'm going to get a fraction of the traffic from SEO that I'm going to get from just driving people there myself. So so it is important to to take that into consideration. So when we're talking about hosting then give what is it what is a reasonable amount that somebody should expect? And I know you can't just come up with one number, but are we talking like 10, 20, 50, 100 dollars a month? Like what is what is a reasonable amount because I know that it goes across the spectrum. Yeah, as long as you're getting the things that we've talked about, then you want to try to get the things that we talked about as cheap as possible. Um, you're not overpaying if you're anywhere in the ten to fifteen dollar range. I okay. think you're you're totally fine there. Okay. Um, if you're paying more than that, then what are they offering? 
And again, that's where you really get into maybe a little more of the specifics and some companies charge extra for things. Like one of the things we do, for example, is we do nightly backups at 1 a.m. for every single account for free, and it doesn't count against your storage space. But we don't charge for that. There are other places that, let's say they offer everything that we offer, and maybe they're at $8.95 a month and we're at 11 bucks. And you think, oh, well, they're offering these things and they're cheaper. I'm going to go with them. But then you got to either maintain your own backup so they count against your space or, um, you know, maybe the company doesn't take backups for you at all. And, you know, the reality of it is, is you're busy, you're doing work, you didn't keep things up to date in WordPress, and now you got a problem. And how easy is it going to be to restore? And that really goes back to the support part of the equation. So, you know, support is, it means a lot because there are people that call me on a daily basis that... I deleted my entire inbox, Brad. Now what? It's like, no problem. I'll just restore you back from 1 a.m. this morning. Click, click. There it is. Uh, so, yeah, 10 to $15 range. Really look at support. And, and you know, the company should, if possible, also be taking backups for you. And the support really is important because if your website goes down and you're waiting 24 hours for a customer service rep to get back to you, like, mm-hmm. that, <laughs> you do not want to be in that situation. So, that is one of those things where it really does make a big difference. It does. You get a level one tech guy who's reading from a script that tells you to do the nine things you've already tried. It, it can be frustrating as well as, you know, delaying time. You got it right on the head. So we, we started in a little bit about email. Let's go a little bit deeper into that then. Just about every day somebody asks a question, whether they post in, in you know, like the Vopreneur group or something like that. Google Workspace, formerly G Suite, Microsoft 365, Pop3, IMAP. There's a lot to understand. Give us some of the basics of getting the email up and running. So, I mean, the basic, uh, or if you're going with that professional domain-based email address, which there's no reason not to. So making that assumption, there are some hosts that still offer a free starter pack, uh, so to speak, with an email. We do. Um, so it costs you nothing to set it up. We set it all up for you and you're out of the gate. Not a ton of space. The reason you don't get a ton of space is again, we run those SSD hard drives that are really fast. They're really meant on serving your website, not necessarily on storing static email that's going to sit around for a while. So be honest with yourself. Do you tend to hoard email and keep everything under the sun? And we've been trained to do that for many reasons. Uh, but if you do, then you're going to want to look at an email solution that has storage. Um, and, you know, maybe quite a bit of storage. Really, the two different animals in that are the Microsoft 365 Exchange Plan, or some people refer to it as an Office 365 Exchange Plan, or what you mentioned, G Suite, Google Workspace. It looks, acts, smells, and runs just like Gmail, except it allows you to use your professional domain name as part of your email address instead of the at gmail.com. So when you have that set up, which way do you want to choose? There's a lot of thoughts on how you run your setup. Do you need aliases? Do you check your mail in Mac mail? Do you uh, use Android? That would be a few of the questions that would help make you a determination. Um, The reason I ask about aliases is Apple mail or Mac mail or just the mail app actually in Mac it doesn't understand how to receive from one account and send as an alias. So if you want multiple email addresses that you're checking, using Mac Mail isn't going to be a good workflow for you, whether you use Outlook or G Suite or Google Workspace in this instance. So there's kind of a landmine of questions that one really should ask themselves, whether they want to keep their workflow and keep their life simple or what they're looking for. And 
an example of that is if you have an Android phone, well, Google Workspace might be a good option for you because Google owns Android. And so Google Workspace is works natively with the phone and it syncs your calendars and your contacts. Whereas again, if you're on an iPhone, even if you use Microsoft's 365 mail platform or a platform with your host or Google Workspace, none of those are going to sync with the mail app or your, I'm sorry, your contacts or your calendars on an iPhone. So you got to kind of figure out what's important. Again, support comes in really key here because your support person should be saying, how do you do these things? How do you want to do these things? And then let them navigate you into the best way to keep your workflow simple because you don't need to learn another application that you don't need if you don't want to. Are you using a CRM? If so, then Google product tends to snap in and work better. But that just changed in in one massive CRM company where they actually support the Microsoft product better. So there's a lot to really, really consider there. All of that aside, let me try to make it a little more simple with one thing, cost. Google Workspace currently, at the time of this uh, recording for the podcast, is $6 a month, $72 total for the year, you get 30 gigabytes of storage. That's a lot. You're never going to have to delete anything. The Microsoft Exchange plan, you get 50 gigs of storage. It's $4 a month and $48 total for the year. So it's $2 a month cheaper and you get 20 gigs more storage total. So there really is no right answer. It just, are you using Apple Mail? Are you using Outlook? Do you really like to use mail through a browser that you're using and you've already used Gmail, so you're familiar with that interface, those things will help you determine, aside from cost, which platform you want to choose so you have the least amount of learning curve and you've lowered your barrier of entry into running your business smoother, cleaner, and more organized. Workflow is such an important part of that equation. I mean, that was a part of it for me, right? The CRM that I have been working with for years integrates very nicely with Gmail. And so that was part of the decision-making process for me was to, to have that integration that saved me steps ultimately in the long run. So it's good that you bring that up because it's not just a simple matter of being able to check your email. It's about how you want to be able to work with your email. Yeah. And if you don't know those answers right now, that's okay. Any decision that you make right now can be changed down the line. Yes. So you don't have to overcomplicate it and overthink it. Run through some questions. Try to, you know, choose what's right for you. Questions are free. Mm -hmm. So ask questions of people. You know, you touched on the the CRM that you're using. There's a little bit of confusion kind of going back and forth there between it works with Gmail, but they're having issues with Google Workspace. So says one talent, but another talent says it works fine. And, you know, it's it that can be problematic on the products. So, you know, even on a CRM uh, support, if you're happy with their support, then that is immediately going to make you happier with the product, whatever the product is. Yeah. So then what about email addresses? I've used Mark at MarkScottVoiceOver.com for 100 years. One email, one inbox. For me, it just made my life so much easier. But then I see talent who have like seven different email addresses, uh, all at their domain, and, and they email. And every time an email comes into my inbox, it seems like it's coming from a different one of theirs. <laughs> do you recommend or do you have a recommendation? Is, is it one email address? Is there a case to be made for having... Multiple addresses, advantages, disadvantages. What what do you think on that? It kind of goes back to your uh, thought about writing in third person. 
in a lot of businesses, you want to be a bigger company. In voiceover, I don't think that's the case. Mm -hmm. So I would write in first person because mm -hmm. you're representing you. You're the talent. You're the product. So just like I would write in first person, I would just have my name at mydomain.com. It's easy to remember. It's what most people do. And you don't need to look like a gigantic company that has a booking department and a billing department and a this department. and a. Uh, so if you need it because you have more than one person and there are talent that do that where they hire an assistant, yep. whether it's a virtual assistant or an assistant that's under the roof, if you need it, then create it. But if you don't need it, keep it as simple as possible. That's my recommendation on email addresses. Yeah, I think that's the way to go. I, I just, the irony of it, I think for me is when it comes to marketing, one of the biggest complaints that voice actors give me is, you know, I can't find an actual person's email address because I can only mm -hmm. find the info at or the hello at or whatever the generic inbox is. And then they turn around and create all these generic inboxes for themselves to be marketing to. And I'm like, okay, you don't like it when other people do that to you, but now you turn around and, and, and do it to them. I don't know, one email address, maybe I'm just getting older. And so it's just easier for me because I, I can't keep up with it all. But it just feels like one address is, is so much simpler. Okay, so what kind of traps do you see unsuspecting talent fall for when it comes to getting their website set up, getting their email running? What, what are some of the things that you see that are out there that may seem like, oh, yeah, we probably need that, but we really don't. Or, you know, you should do that, but you shouldn't. What kind of stuff should we be on the lookout for? They get caught up and they, they don't know what they need. And so they buy a domain because that's the first thing they want to lock up, which it is. That's important. But if you don't know what you need, then very quickly buying a domain at a company that, you know, spends a lot of ad money making their brand familiar with you, all of a sudden things are added to your cart that you didn't really select, but you bought this domain and they're there, so I guess I need them. And then I see talent that are really egregiously taken advantage of. Like I've seen, no kidding, accounts where people are paying $2,500 a year oh my for like two domains and hosting because they're paying for this backup thing. They're paying for SEO stuff. They're paying for this marketing thing that got added. And it's ridiculous. And, you know, something else to look for. If the company you're shopping with is trying to bundle you for more than a year, then that can tell you like, hey, we're trying to get you to get these products before you realize you really don't need them. So we want you to lock into a multi-year thing because our refund policy is only 30 days. So to me, a big red flag is if any company is, is trying to immediately, without you choosing, to do more than a year, that tells you they're trying to maybe put something in on you that you don't need that you can't get refunded later. Uh, in that multi-year, you're bound to that original 30-day return. So once that first 30 days goes past and you've bought something for five years, you're stuck. Um, so, so watch for that. That is I, unbelievable. 2,500 bucks. Holy man. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, you know, Karen Barth with voice actor websites, she'll tell you the same thing. Um, because you know, she does a lot of launching of websites with, with, uh, voice actor websites and, you know, she'll be in their account and it's just really, really egregious how much people are paying for stuff that they don't need. So just reiterating what you mentioned earlier, I mean, realistically between hosting and email, I mean, if you're spending much more than 20 or $25 a month, you're probably paying for stuff that you don't need, right? Is that, that sound like a fair assessment? Yeah, let's talk about, yeah. So you're, you're paying 10 to 15 for the hosting. You're paying $15 for the domain. And then you should not be paying any more than $6 for business-grade email. 
And the domain is know. once a year or, you know, you know, if you lock Correct. it up for yeah. five years or whatever, but yeah, Correct. so that's yeah, not that a domain monthly is expense. Once a year. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. You're right. You're right. That is a year. Thank you for the clarification there. And you shouldn't be paying for privacy on that domain. That should be offered for free. Actually, it's required by law that it's offered for free. So now companies have flipped it to where they lost their revenue on charging for privacy and now it's domain protection that is placed on top of the privacy which is a fancy way of saying you're paying another $17 for two-factor codes which are are free like we shouldn't be paying for that so the biggest 15 bucks for the domain per year $15 a month for the hosting $6 a month on the email if your numbers are higher than that then you need to start looking at what you're paying I'm really worried that there's going to be a lot of people listening to this episode right now that are just going to be PO'd because they're probably paying a lot more than that or they've been taken advantage of. I, like you said, you know, they, they add stuff into your cart automatically and you need this and you need this. Or, and, you know, they're obviously great marketers, so they write a good story There's mm-hmm. of why you need this or that mm-hmm. or whatever. And you don't know any better, right? You don't know what you don't know. So you sign up because you assume that you can trust them. But what we're learning is that is certainly not always the case. Uh, a big thing for me with this podcast is I want people to feel like they're getting really actionable, practical advice in every episode. And I, I think you've already given us a, a ton of that just in helping us to better understand the lay of the land when it comes to domains, hosting, websites, emails, all that sort of stuff. If you could just give one or two key takeaways that you think are absolutely essential, uh, whether it's features to look for or avoid, knowledge that you think that they should possess, something, a, a question maybe that they should be asking before they sign up for something. What, what are one or two takeaways that you think really could save somebody's bacon when it comes to getting their website up and running? So if we make it specifically about uh, getting the website up and running, ask questions for sure. If you don't know what that is, make somebody explain it and then, you know, see if you really need that. And then just like any other, you know, person that would go to a doctor, seek a second opinion. So ask another place, do I need that? Questions are free, and any place that is willing to take your money should also be willing to answer questions. So that, I think, would relate specifically to hosting. If I can also add on to that, though, one thing that talent should do in general is use data as a reason to make a decision And don't just do something because you see another talent doing it, because they're likely doing it because they saw someone else doing it. And what happens is everybody just wants, well, they're doing it, so I must do it. And one of those that I'm going to touch on, and this is going to anger people, a lot of people, email signatures. That is a whole separate podcast, Mark. All right, I will note that. We may dive into that episode later. Yeah. So everybody wants this email signature, but ask yourself why. And then if you're booking work already and you have a good relationship with a few clients, ask those clients if that matters to them. Because you'd be surprised that that answer is going to be no. And that that signature that you think looks really great doesn't come across the way you think it looks. So your business across the board, make decisions based on data not just because someone else is doing it, and spend the extra hour, if you don't have it, to get or find that data. That will stop you from so much buyer's remorse, whether it's on a microphone, an interface, a DAW, who does your hosting, who does your demo, whatever it is, ask questions, they're free. 
you were so much more diplomatic on the subject of email signatures than I probably would have been because I, I tell talent straight up, like, look, this is just a crap ton of unnecessary clutter. <laughs> like when you have giant pictures and, you know, you got your headshot and links to all of your latest videos and you've got your, I don't know, like you've got like a, an image of your signature, like your, you know, your signed name signature. Plus you've got your website domain, your email address, your phone number, every single <laughs> social media profile, like, yeah. come on. Yeah. And nobody needs that. Your signature should not be 10 times longer than the actual emails that you're sending. I don't know. Mine, mine has my phone number and my website, like literally it's like, so I think it's good that you brought that up. It, it is. A, and, and man, people pay a lot of money for some of those signature services too. They're paying like monthly fees to have these fancy signatures. And I don't know, maybe somebody's generating revenue off of them. But to me, it just seems like a lot of unnecessary clutter in in, uh, in an email. One thing that you did say too that I, I made a note of was the second opinion. You know, sometimes just because a company has national recognition or, you know, we saw their commercial during the Super Bowl, so obviously that makes them legit or whatever, but we don't ask. You know, we don't go to an, another talent and say, hey, have you had any experience with this or have you had any experience with that company or, oh, hey, I see that you host with this company. Well, what's it been like or whatever? Speaking from the, the position of a VOpreneur, you know, you're responsible for the money that you invest in your business and, and signing up for some of this stuff without doing a little bit of research at least is, you know, that's kind of irresponsible uh, when it comes to how you're choosing to invest your money. So it's very important that you get that second opinion. And I mean, look, I'll say it because it's true. I have never heard one single negative comment slash review of you and your your hosting, so let tell us about it because I think if people are looking for an option, you know, we could solve the whole problem right here with this podcast episode by telling them about the service that you offer because I know that it is legit. So talk to us about upper level hosting. That's very kind of you. Typically, I try to stay clear of that and just offer the facts and 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 the things that people might want to know. I always take the approach on anything that I do that I don't need to sell my products. My products will sell themselves and they will sell, they will sell themselves from the people that feel like I do a good job. Um, so, I mean, they know it's upper level hosting. Uh, it's upperlevelhosting.com. Everything obviously that we talked about uh, fits in with the transparency of what we do as a host. Um, but don't take my word for it. Ask somebody else and let them tell you. Go to a Facebook VO group of your choice and, and search the question maybe first instead of asking the question because it's probably already been asked and answered. Um, yes. And, a, and a, a, lot, a lot of Facebook groups, we always ask the question, but, but search first. Yep. Um, and if, if, if the last answer seems old and you want to get an update, then say, hey, I searched, you know, haven't seen any new info in a while, X, Y, and Z, what do you think? But also be cautious of people who give you a recommendation if that's not who or what they're currently doing or using. A lot of people will be like, oh, I've heard good things about this or I've heard good things about that. Well, are you currently using it? And what is your to-date experience with it? And if they're not currently using it and if they can't provide you a to-date current personal experience with it, then perhaps you want to discard their comment. Because so many people will say so many different things, but it's not, oh, I think this, it should be that, like real data, real facts. And if the people can't provide you real data and real facts, then then I, I personally would discard their recommendation and 
you know, look at people who are currently using them. There are a lot of people that will say, oh, I use so-and-so. Great. How's their support? Oh, I don't know. I've only been with them for 20 days and I've never needed their support. Well, that's not long enough for you yeah. to really tell me that they're awesome. Then are there, is that, you yep. know? So ask questions for sure. Uh, upper level hosting, I think, is awesome. Of course, I'm going to say that. The privacy is free. Uh, the domains are pretty cheap, $13.98. The hosting is 11 bucks a month. It's all you need. Yes, there are bigger packages. No, you don't need them. Um, the SSL security certificate is free. If you hoard email, we put you in either Google Workspace or Microsoft Exchange Plan 1. You don't have to choose one that we stick you with. There are some providers that say, we only offer this, we only offer that. In fact, while we are authorized resellers of both of those products, I will not resell the product to you because that doesn't do right by you. Quick example. If you buy Microsoft's Exchange Plan or 365, whatever you want to call it, through a reseller, that account is locked to that reseller for life. That means if you switch hosts, your mail has to physically and manually be migrated out of that provider, even if you're going to go back into that provider. So let's say you're with a host that puts you in Microsoft's Exchange Plan 1 or 365, and then you come to upper level, and you're in already this Microsoft Exchange Plan 1 365, and you want to stay there. We have to manually migrate that out of Microsoft directly back into Microsoft because you purchased it through a reseller. And here's where it gets even more egregious. They're charging you $10 a month and giving you 10 gigs of storage when you could be paying $4 a month direct with Microsoft, getting 50 gigs of storage, and we'll give you the link to buy it right from Microsoft. And if you do that and you leave upper level to go to any other host, your mail never has to be migrated out of that platform again to switch hosts. There's three little lines of code that any host can put in. Your email keeps running. Your life is simpler. It's saving you money. You're not paying to have things migrated later. So don't buy your mail through a reseller. Even if they resell it, buy it directly from Google or Microsoft and save yourself the headache. There's a really great point in here, which I think is one that probably a lot of people don't consider. Because I have had my website in my domain for a very, very, very long time, I have gone through the process in the past of site migration, moving from one host to another, changing from one domain to another, switching email service providers from one to another. And can I just tell you that like that process often is not an enjoyable process. And it, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, and and it, it very seldom does it go as easy as you think it will, uh, depending on you know the host that you're moving from and to, and the email that you're moving from and to, and so it's something that you need to take into consideration when it when we're talking about your website and your email. If this is something that you're planning on having in play for the next 10, 15, 20 years, you actually do need to think a little bit long term. So it's not specifically about. Who's going to give me the best deal this year when I'm just setting it all up? Because that may not be the best service for the long term of your domain. And it's not, you know, like moving all this stuff is not something that you want to have to, you know, you don't want to do it every year. I, I don't know, like in Canada with cell phone providers, you sign up for a contract with a cell phone provider. And when your contract's up, they jack the rate. Mm -hmm. So then you go to the competitor because the competitor will give you a, a special introductory offer. And so mm -hmm. every two years, you get people switching back and forth their cell phone providers, playing one off of the other, because there's really only a couple legitimate providers here. 
that's not a big deal to do. Switching your cell phone, switching your website and your email, it's a little bit more involved. So it, it is something that you've got to think about for the long term, not just specifically who's giving you the best price this month or for your first 12 months or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. Yeah, for sure. And that is something that a lot of people look at is just what does it cost now? Because they don't realize later on that it is going to cost more, you know, and, and that type of, of thing. And it can be problematic. It doesn't have to be problematic, but it can be depending on how helpful the support is on the other side. And so yep. I really, uh, really do, you know, come back to that uh, in so many ways. So upperlevelhosting.com, you can get a domain, you can get your hosting, you can get your email sorted out. So if somebody was interested, all of that stuff is right there, kind of a a one-stop shop, so to speak. Brad, thank you so much. You've given us, I, I know it got technical. Maybe for some people it got a little bit technical, but this is a technical thing. But that also goes back to why, you know, let people who are experts do the things that they're experts in. Could you... Could you watch 25 hours worth of YouTube videos and figure out how to do this for yourself for free? Yeah, but but it wasn't free because it just took 25 hours of your time. So that's 25 hours that you weren't devoting to, to voiceover. So if you can go to somebody like Brad or, you know, whoever it is that you use and they can get it done in an hour, that's actually saving you money. It's not costing you money if you're thinking about it from the proper perspective. Yeah, and I would say eight out of the 10 places that people would go to by default where we're actually cheaper than the place they were considering year over year. We're not cheaper than their promotional price, but I'm a real big believer in transparency. Guess what? I don't have a sale. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the price doesn't change in 12 months. Yep. There isn't, it isn't going to cost you this today and this tomorrow, and nobody gets different rates or blah, blah, blah. It's like, here's a fair price for a fair product at a fair value that's going to do what you want to do. And um, yeah, save the hour, save the time, and save the money. Have your cake and eat it too. I really do believe that people can have both. Love it. Thank you so much, Brad. I appreciate your time. Again, the website is upperlevelhosting.com, and we'll throw that into the show notes so that you'll be able to to find that. Uh, And where else can we find you if we want to reach out or get connected with you? Somebody's got questions for you. So I have a staff of 25 people, but guess what? Anytime you call my number, uh, it rings me, and you only ever talk to me. So yeah, you can call 646-820-2029. You can email. That's amazing. It's brad at upperlevelhosting.com. And you know, otherwise uh, you can send a carrier pigeon. Just make sure you feed them first. (laughs) Right on. Thank you so much, Brad. My pleasure. Talk soon, sir. Your website is one of your most important marketing tools. I mean, next to your demos, your website is it. If you are doing self-marketing, which is what I teach, you're going to be driving a ton of traffic to your website. You're driving them there to listen to your demos. So you want to make sure that the website that you have set up is going to work, that it is going to be fast, that it is going to do all of the things that it needs to do, and you don't want to have to sweat about it, stress about it, think about it. You just want it to be there and work and run. And so that's why some of this stuff, even though it's not exactly the most sexiest stuff to talk about when it comes to putting together your business, it is absolutely essential. And I'm so grateful to Brad for taking the time to share. Remember, Brad's website is upperlevelhosting.com. That is upperlevelhosting.com. If you enjoyed this episode, if you learned something, if you picked up one little nugget from this episode, I'd love it if you would share it in your Instagram story. And please tag me and tag Brad. Let us know that you're listening. You can tag me on Instagram at Mark Scott, and you can tag Brad on Instagram at upperlevelcrm. 
And I'll put both of those in the show notes so that you can find them for quick and easy reference. But we'd love to hear that you're listening and love to know that this episode was a benefit to you. Thanks so much for listening. and I'll catch you on the next one. The Everyday Vopreneur Podcast. Available everywhere fine podcasts are given away for free. Mostly, we think. Your voiceover demos are your number one marketing tool, and you need to display them on your website in a way that works on any device or browser. VoiceSam is the player producers love. Plus, it offers tools that can improve your email signature, quickly create a one-page website, and much more. Sign up now at voicesam.com slash markscott and get three months of the bass player for the price of one. That's voicesam.com slash markscott for full details and to sign up. And scene.